Hello, hello. Hello, welcome, welcome. everyone. Welcome to Stupid Genius. Genius. Stupid Genius. I'm Molly. I'm Emily. And today we're bringing you a bonus episode. Yes. So happy International Women's Day for yesterday, or if you're listening in, in, in the future, <laughs> then, yeah, happy, <laughs> then International happy International Women's Day. Day. Or how happy is it? Yeah, was it a happy International Women's Day? How did you feel about it? Um, I know we've got some opinions about it. Yeah. So we obviously want to say some positives and we will we will sort of end on maybe some positives. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. The, there are many good things about International Women's Day. The fact that you get to celebrate women, you know, women that you know and love, women that you uh, find inspirational. But, you know, it's not all happy. There's a reason that we have International Women's Day and it's because the state of things at the moment is far from desirable, no, essentially. It's not it? happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to me, anyway. You certainly didn't have a happy yeah, international day. I know. <laughs> and we may well come on to that. We'll probably talk about it next week. <laughs> <laughs> when it's less raw. Yeah. Um, let's just say that Emily, um, yeah, remembered why we have international women's yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a very big cry yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, to give us some, like, broader context, I suppose... Um, it's really interesting to think about, you know, some of the, the stats and figures that are out there. Um, and really shocking to read that for every pound that a man earns, a woman earns 75p. So when we compare um, mean hourly pay, women's mean hourly pay is around 15% less than men's, which is absolutely shocking. Shocking. And the pay gap chat bot was uh, doing the rounds on Twitter yesterday and calling out, all the different institutions Which and organisations. Lo- well, I love, love them calling it out. Yeah. It's so good. And I love it as well because they always share it with uh, one of the institution's posts. Yeah, so, when it's like, oh, how are you embracing equity this year? Exactly. And they're like, how about you pay us equal pay? <laughs> like, exactly. So the LJMU one, which is the institution where we're based, um, was around 24%, which is shocking considering that another local institution in Manchester, theirs was at around Which 3%. is literally an hour away. Yeah, so th- there's a big divergence there, you know. Um, and really interestingly as well, MP Bell Ribeiro Addy recently wrote on the 23rd of February that that day marked the day when women started earning relative to men. So with the gender pay gap at around 15% nationally, women have effectively worked, and this is serious, mm. from January the 1st until February the 23rd. For free. Are you kidding For free, me? Emily. So that's essentially 54 whole days of free work. Oh and my that God. Doesn't and even, that doesn't even encounter to all the extra like volunteer work that we do. And just generally like the unpaid domestic labour as well that women tend the, to do. Was it the pastoral care? The, yeah, but uh, I'm talking about in the home even. You know, oh, God, you yeah. Counted all that in. Fucking hell. God, um, <laughs> honestly. It makes me so sad. At the current rate of progress, we're looking at approximately another 20 plus years before the UK um, closes the gender pay gap. Um, Emily, I'm really interested to hear about where this begins for some women and girls. So yeah. hopefully you can tell us a little bit about that side that of stuff. things. Yeah, so I stumbled across probably about a year ago this like leaky pipeline. And I'd never really heard of it. And everyone's talking about it like it was an obvious thing. Um, and you might have heard of it. But for some people that don't, it's a metaphor of how women and people from minority groups are progressively lost from STEM subjects at each stage of the educational system. And obviously I'm talking about STEM here because that's my background, but you can apply this to all academia um, in a general sense. Um, Recent surveys by the Royal Society showed that only 9% of STEM professors in the UK are female, and shockingly less than 0.1% of STEM professors are black. 
While we focus here on barriers faced by women and ethnic minorities, there is also a significant underrepresentation of people with disabilities, those who identify as LGBTQ+, and those from low socioeconomic backgrounds, and many, many more. I mean, the list could probably go on. Yeah. Any marginalised group, we know this. And I had an issue with this leaky pipeline. It just, when I researched it, it felt like they were sort of posing this question of, you know, do women and those minority groups choose to not pursue a career in academia or are they actively excluded from the system? And well... <laughs> well, we know the answer. Yeah, they're, <laughs> act- the last yeah they're actively excluded from the system and that, that means, like, the system isn't set up to allow space for us to come in. Like, there is, there is barriers and boundaries in place. Mm-hmm. I did, though, obviously I expressed this yesterday and someone came up with a counter-argument for the leaky pipeline and they said... Don't think about it like that, Emily. Don't think about the leaky pipeline as in... Because I was saying that I think they just, like, drop off. It sounds like they just drop off. Yeah, they choose to drop off. like an accidental... And, or they choose to not pursue this career. And he was like, um, no, it's this pipe that's been built and it's been thought about and it's been planned and it's been planned for this drop-off to happen. How do leaks happen in the home, if you think about that literally? Like, if someone's done some plumbing, they've either done bad plumbing, or it's not been seen to in a while, and that's where there's a leak that happens. Mm. So it is deliberate. It is deliberate, which means it's nice, because then that leak can be fixed, can't it? It does. In a way, I know what he's saying, but actually I still think it makes it sound unintentional, because you don't intentionally plumbing a leak do you so i do think it that's suggests true like an yeah. intentionality whereas like you say we know that the, the system purposefully excludes these people yeah. but i do yeah. like the idea of like well if it's a leak it can be fixed and it i can think be that's fixed. a that's a nice metaphor. that's a nice metaphor but we know sort of in early childhood girls and boys are equally likely to be interested in science in fact girls routinely outperform boys in science gccs and a levels but interests and abilities do not always translate into the belief that one be- can become a scientist. Um, in fact, children are often wrongly taught that a true scientist must be brilliant and a genius. And in our cases... Stupid geniuses. Yes. <laughs> However, a study from NYU found that the, by the age of seven, girls are far less likely to describe themselves and other girls as brilliant and therefore do not see themselves smart enough to pursue a career in STEM. Which is just so tragic, isn't it? Isn't it? And we won't go too much into that because um, we know we've all experienced some, like, not some, we've experienced daily sexism, daily misogyny. Um, and if you haven't, then please message in and send me some positives because I just, I don't know anyone that hasn't. Um, and, you know, I just want to say whatever position or job role or point in life you are in today... We and you as women have shown resilience to be in the positions today. Like no matter where you are, we are so resilient. And my PhD background is in sport and exercise science. And a while ago, I asked my friends to give some phrases that they had said to them in like the sport and exercise realm and context. And it literally took five minutes to receive all of these phrases. And they certainly apply to all areas of life don't they I mean I yeah. think I could probably tick off most of these just from my experiences <laughs> do, you, do you want me to read them out please do it okay I bet everyone's going yep yeah when I read them out okay you ready tomboy you can't play that that's a man's sport are you on your period you throw like a girl that's impressive for a girl is your boyfriend letting you play rugby are you wearing a bra your tits will sag you won't get a man if you're too competitive why are you out of the kitchen? 
It's just banter. If you focus on your career too long, you'll lose out on having a family. Are you pregnant? That's not ladylike. Oh, hockey, aren't they all just lesbians? You can tell you've come off your diet. Don't worry, it's just water weight. You'll get as big as a man if you continue. You're not just a pretty face. You're just one of the lads. And one I received, not today, yesterday, was if you keep talking too much, Emily, people will get bored of your voice. Which I can wholeheartedly tell you is bullshit. Mm. And he deserves, actually, this is going to sound extreme, but to lose his job for that. Because he is in a position of power and a leadership role and the fact that he has spoken to you like that Mm -hmm. and this is what we referred to earlier on in the episode you know he really should be held accountable and he said it in a jokey way and then everyone turned their heads and i was like oh don't worry i think he was joking i think he was joking but let me tell you that did destroy me yesterday of course it did i I then was like previous because it was about a presentation i gave about international women's day about students voices and relaying the information that we do because we do forums we capture students voices um, and they obviously didn't like it because it they need to change. It the way held they're a teaching. mirror up to them. They didn't like it. Yeah, and so he's they probably didn't expect this fluffy. Like they thought they were going to get a fluffy presentation, and they didn't get that. No, and, and he's in response. He's tried to humiliate you. I honestly don't think there was anything accidental about it. He meant to make you yeah. feel bad. That's how I feel, and I know who he is, and I'm going to find him. Go on. I will find you. <laughs> I will kill you. <laughs> Anyone wondering, that's obviously Liam Neeson. Taken. It's, it's taken. No. And he took my confidence. I didn't even want to come in and record this episode because I thought, God, I am too loud. I do talk too much. Oh, You and, are not and you do not. And I do not. And please, whatever, like, if anyone has said this to you like, or done anything, just please just remember who you are. Be confident in who you are. And I'm pushing through it. I, I do feel a little bit meek let's say I do feel a little bit disheartened but I'm gonna push through it and I, I had a little cry yesterday I lent into the, my emotions because I thought oh I need to be the strong I need to not feel I need to but you know what it's so empowering feeling your emotions yeah and, and it's your point from a couple of minutes ago about how resilient women have to be yeah and you know how often does he have to come to work and be you know receive comments like that yeah never, never. no one would ever say that no, to him ever no. um but yeah I just wanted to say in my notes i <laughs> Because I obviously was reading off. I put, fucking hell, we are resilient. Amen. Yeah. Um, and they, and a little bit more about that. So for those who do choose to study, I hate that word, but do choose to study in um, science at universities, studies have repeatedly shown that if students do not see themselves represented at higher levels of academia, they're far me- less likely to continue in that field. We've, and we've previously noted, obviously, what Molly said as well, that, about the pen, um, gender pay gap, the higher paid roles are usually men. If um, there is this like lack of diversity in UK university faculties, and this is echoed in most Western countries, further barriers in progression in academia include the systematic bias against women in the success of grant applications, citation metrics, and recommendation letters. I mean, the list could go on and on, but I'm going to stop there yeah. so we can get to some positives. Absolutely. Well, I, Maybe. Don't, know if we're, I don't know if we're there yet. But um, thank you so much for sharing all those thoughts and everything because it is so, so interesting. And I do think, like you mentioned um, just then, it's really important to remember that all of this seeps into every area of this industry. You know, it's not just the sorts of job roles that women can obtain. It seeps into everything. You know, it's the extra pastoral work they have to do. It's not seeing themselves in leadership roles. You yeah. know, like in my faculty, 
all of the higher leadership team are white men and Fun. you know where, where is the space for me at that table you know and it, it is really stark when you think of it like and that and there is space and that's what's so frustrating I think we want to like I drill in that we're not trying to push all the men out we just want space for us to step in you know I mean I want to push some of them out I want to push out that guy that's come oh, to yeah, you like that yesterday yeah, the, I, there was two guys last, yesterday that really disheartened me yeah do you know what though I think um, one of the wonderful things the about other- International Women's Day is that we get the opportunity to amplify the voices of other women um, and obviously we talk a lot on this podcast it's our podcast so we're allowed to yeah <laughs> but, don't tell us what to do <laughs> yeah you know but, what yeah <laughs> shove it we're gonna talk all, all we like <laughs> but we did no we really... love you guys you guys like listening to us stay here <laughs> thank you thank you um, while you're there go and give us five stars yeah <laughs> <laughs> but no seriously um, we really wanted to share some of the experiences of some of the women in academia that we know and love who we find really inspirational and it's really interesting to hear their varied perspectives you know We may agree with some of them, we may relate with some of them, we may have had different experiences to some of them, but either way, they're all valuable and they're all worth hearing. Yeah, 100%. Let's get going. Let's said 100%. (laughs) No, for sure. For sure, okay. Let's listen. So we have some amazing women that we're going to hear from now, and... You're not going to believe it, listeners. For once, me and Emily are not going to give our opinions. We're going to let... <laughs> it's going to be hard, but we're just going to let the words speak for themselves. So who have you got for us first, Em? So first, um, I have a new academic, a new PGR student. She's joined us um, literally as of February. So it's interesting to see, like, she's only been here for a month. Her name is Tori... No. <laughs> Tony, Tori's coming up next. Her name's Tony, and um, she actually listens to the podcast. So hi, hi, hi. Tony. Um, and she basically said that um, I, I obviously she's new. I don't know if it's pure luck because she's still an early um, career researcher, but she hasn't really had any negative experiences yet, other than the potential barriers we face regarding childcare. Really interesting. Really interesting. And let's hope it continues. Yeah, yeah. Not yes. the childcare bit, but... Yeah, you know. yeah. obviously, that, like... Oh, hang on a minute. We no, just said, oh, we're going to give our okay, yeah, 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 that's true. Oh, see, we're already going off piece. It's, it's fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we have Tori Sprung. I've mentioned her name again and again. Um, she is a lecturer, supervisor, a researcher. She is a doctor. Woohoo! <laughs> um, and she does amazing, amazing work. And you know what? I saw her yesterday, and she... She really helped me out, feeling just less poopy. Yeah, so and that's we what we need, isn't it? Women supporting women. Exactly. This is a voice note, so let's hope it works. So I would like to frame the quote I'm going to give in the context of, of shamelessly working hard. Um, I think in a sector full of, of experts, it can be really difficult when you're on the learning journey. We've all been there, and there's definitely a temptation to display a facade that everything comes naturally, easily. And I think this is especially true for women who who are historically underrepresented um, in the context of science. When in actual fact, having and displaying the character trait that you persevere, you keep going, you learn from your mistakes is extremely valuable. So my quote is, shamelessly do your best. It's really, really difficult to beat the person who never gives up. 
Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank story. you so much. That's really, really yeah. wonderful to hear. Shamelessly, love it. Yes. <laughs> um, next up, we have some thoughts from Professor Claire Hannibal, who is my first supervisor, and she is a legend. Basically, she is a legend, and she is very supportive of other women, which is one thing I love about Claire. And yeah, she's really inspired me to want to continue on yeah. this journey, essentially. You made me think of a quote from uh, my supervisor that posted, tweeted, Clarissa Giebel. She said, there's a special place in hell for women not supporting women. Absolutely. Just wanted to slip that one in there. Yes, absolutely. Because and Claire is mind, the epitome yeah. of the opposite the of opposite. that. She, she's not going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to hear them. You've got to <laughs> um, be so reincarnated. <laughs> this has taken a strange turn. Yeah. Um, so these are Claire's words. It's my female colleagues that have kept me going during the ups and downs of two decades in academia. Mm. I work in a field that is pretty male-dominated, and it's women colleagues who generally reach out for collaboration opportunities, catch-ups, and who share career advice freely and honestly. I remember a conference a few years ago where a bunch of us female colleagues decided to sit together on one of the tables at the conference dinner. It wasn't a deliberate act. It was just a great opportunity to catch up. I was really surprised that us sitting together on what was deemed to be the woman-only table by male colleagues caused such a stir. Mm. Um, it was spoken about for the remainder of the conference by male counterparts as if this was not a done thing, that they should not have done it. Yeah. Um, however, it seemed How to escape... exclusionary of oh, them. No. Sorry, I'm giving my opinions. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> however, it seemed to escape their attention that the majority of the remaining dinner tables were, surprise, surprise, men only. Mm. It's um, made me reflect over the years and when I've experienced similar situations that male networks seem to be taken as business as usual and yet female-only networks seem to upset the status quo in academia. And this really needs to change. However, we must not be perturbed and we must keep forging ahead and developing our networks, male and female, as they are so important to longevity in academia. So thank you so much for that, Claire. It's so insightful, um, and thank you for sharing that. So interesting, yeah. It's so hard not to say anything about it. <laughs> um, so next one we have uh, Bex Walker. She actually has been on the podcast, and um, she's given her quote. Um, she is, a, sorry, she is a PGR, PhD student in her third year. Um, seeing the gender pay gap for women in STEM only makes me want to work harder to prove people wrong pretty much sums up my experience as a woman in academia slash STEM. You can't control what people think, but you can control your effort. And generally, most of the time in life, work, hard work pays off sooner rather than later. Sooner rather than later, <laughs> not sooner. Sure, sounds quite nice, though. I'm sorry I ruined your words, Bex. <laughs> no, you, you did know. them justice. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That's Thank true. you, Bex. Thank you, Bex. And what? next, we're going to hear from Professor Roz Jones. So Amazing. Roz is another really incredible woman, and she recently joined the institution. Um, she's I've always find her so, um, you know, like easy to talk to and just really inspiring in the sort of work that she does as well. Um, so these are Roz's words. As a new professor, I've had several women approach me and say how inspirational I am. And when I've asked them why, the reply is generally because I'm approachable, I'm a woman, and I've had children. The fact that this is remarkable is nice, but very disappointing. 
I'm not saying that this happens in every institution. As my last institution, there was a lot of women in senior positions, for example, the dean and the associate dean, etc. But there is nothing to love about being in a woman in academia that I can think of, apart from the seemingly obvious one of being inspirational. I do think it can be harder when there are few women leaders or managers in your university to break that glass ceiling. But women have an important part to play in academia. We can multitask, multi-job role, empathise and go the extra mile with student duties. For example, we can treat them if we have children like our own children. Um, we can empathise with our own teams and lead by example by outwardly displaying integrity, knowledge, strength and compassion. I'm not saying that men can't do these things, but not all of them can do it so instinctively. I think all women experience this working life very differently to men, and they may not even be aware of it. HR policies need to be correctly applied and interpreted, and I think that this is something that universities in general have to improve on. So again, thank you so much, so good. Really interesting. Yeah. And again, you know, a little bit more practical advice yeah. as well about how we can move things we can, forward. Yeah, and like it's going to help your research. As yeah. well. She's basically saying, like, include everyone and your research will improve. Your your things will improve. I'm giving my opinions again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, though, Vaz. And I think so next good. up, we've got an anonymous um, submission. So this Ooh, person... Yeah, is going to be heavy? It's a juicy one. It's a juicy one. No, it's actually... They didn't send me their words. They just sort of explained the situation to me that they felt like they wanted to share. Oh, lovely. Um, so they came to this institution from another Northwestern university. Okay. Which I think, um, judging by their gender pay gap seems to be doing things a little bit better than we are here and um for them to move from that university to this university yeah um they essentially had to take an eight thousand pound pay cut even oh though the job gosh. role and the responsibilities exactly the same. were effectively the same yeah so i just think that's quite shocking and i guess the question would be would a man have had to take that same pay cut? Who knows? Mm. I don't know, but we'll leave that with I you guys heard to think a, about. I sort of similar stuff yesterday. Is the in like a veterinary school? I was talking to someone who's a vet, and they had similar similar problems. I'm sure there's thousands of examples yeah. of that, which yeah. is yeah. It's... Um, okay, so we have Henny Greaves next. She works at Alderhay. She does amazing work. Um, and she obviously is an insp- as everyone is an inspiration. Yeah, it's so nice to get. Are varied of it is yeah stages of like of academia or I don't know yeah early career research yeah, yeah. We've, we've had professors we've had people from different fields so it's yeah. really nice to hear it's these really different nice perspectives to hear it. Um, and she said I always wanted to do research and work in academia but felt not good enough so I think the lack of confidence resulted in me working longer hours very frequently in the past and feeling obligated to go the extra mile. Then I became a mother and that changed my life. I wasn't able to work the extra all the time and I, when I was home, I wouldn't go on, no, I couldn't go onto my laptop straight away. In some regards, it helped me to have a better work-life balance, but I also came to the realization that I wouldn't progress in my career further than my current job. I feel I can balance an honorary research post and clinical work well, but don't think I would be able to take on much more responsibilities without drifting into an unhealthy work um, work-life relationship. I think that my male colleagues might progress further and not feeling in limbo with their confidence and performance. I don't want to generalise this, but I feel that many women are constantly doubting themselves, which holds them back. I'm in a very privileged position with a partner who works part-time so I can work full-time, a husband who is extremely supportive and steps in to take a lot of responsibilities for childcare. 
And this is my experience. And because of that, I think female academics should be more confident and trust themselves in their abilities. Wow. So lovely. And it's so lovely that she literally has married an ally, like a full ally yeah. and someone who's so supportive. And I guess this just sort of screams the importance of that embrace and equity, which is that, that this year's Yes, this year's theme of International and, Women's you know, Day. That sort of allyship. and Yeah. And I guess the frustrations that she sort of, the, the mm. hurdles she's faced. Thank you so much for sharing that. So good. Um, and last up, we have um, some words from Dr. Kelsey Hajas, um, who is an incredible early career academic, another one of my supervisors, um, who I just find so supportive, um, you know, just really generous with her time, like all of the women in academia, actually. I know. Oh, my I think God, yeah. That is a theme, isn't it? Yeah, we, we keep saying things, but this applies to... It does. Women are so willing to go that extra mile to Because we want you. to see change we and see each other achieve yeah i mean we we, yeah um so these are kelsey's words there are definite challenges for women in academia including issues of representation and career progression especially for those who wish to have children however i am hopeful that the status quo is slowly changing having been mentored by a number of incredible female role models throughout my career i have been lucky enough to be supervised and managed by fantastic women and i have worked on a number of research teams with outstanding women in my field it is inspiring to see the hard work and milestones being achieved by female academics in spite of the number of barriers to our success. I think that sums it up. I want to clap. Really nicely. Thank you so much, Kelsey, for sharing that with so us. So good. And um, yeah, a mixture of positives and negatives, but uh, t- all in all, I think it's to just me, so interesting. it's so interesting and empowering because you might be feeling, you're, oh, I'm not alone in this. I'm not alone in this thought. I'm not alone in this feeling. I do feel positive and I do feel like things can change or you might be in that stage where let us know actually yes who you relate with we would love to hear like are your experiences different to those you've just heard maybe you really relate to someone but uh, let us know you can contact us at any time on at stupid genius underscore pod that's on our instagram. instagram yeah um, and you can message us you can send us voice notes pictures anything you want to share with us we yeah would love to please hear it. we'd love to hear it and we love sharing everyone's um sort of like thoughts and opinions and we love hearing it so i think um where do we go from here really yeah that's the question to ask isn't it because it's one thing to take stock of what's going on right now but we all want to move forward Mm. you know we're choosing you and i to to have a crack at this this profession so where do we go from here exactly and um and we'll get into that in a second how uh, can we improve things today so I want to express the importance of role models so at all levels and in all roles women especially those from marginalized groups have been underrepresented in academia Um, in this work working in the sector where they are in a minority can give women the sense that they don't belong in this world to really think about that yeah <laughs> um, so yeah and we heard that from sort of the fee- like the women's voices they felt like they didn't belong but the importance of role models that kept them going absolutely um, yeah. and we need to recruit and retain women and, and other minorities from like minorities groups in academia and we should begin by engaging the students by forming connections between classrooms universities community organisations so this goes back to sort of my earlier point which was it starts a lot earlier on so if academics can you know interweave and work with you know primary school all the way up 
then we can sort of create these like positive role models. Um, and, you know, we need to just expand this image of what being academic and career driven looks like and create a truly relatable role model, which inspires everyone. Absolutely. And, you know, things like what happened to you yesterday, you know, that is enough for some people to have maybe thought, fuck this, you know, I've well, had I did. enough. I felt. But can you imagine, though, for like the girls that are now in secondary school and things like that, you know, in five years time, you will be their role model. And how wonderful is that? And it's really awful to think that you could have leaked out of that pipeline exactly you could have leaked. and then who would these girls be able to look up to i'm you know it's it's really scary to think um well we know how important role models are but how easily they can be lost yeah because they have to face these fucking barriers all the time yeah and we need to create these role models that are like so in a way like multi-faceted like yeah. for me i probably don't look like the typical biomechanics person i've got blonde hair i'm i can be a little bit ditzy i dress really funky she's very fashionable let's be not honest not fashionable <laughs> funky like i wear bright colors which i'm actually not... contemplating hiring you as my uh, personal shopper and when i say hiring i mean obviously you would have to do it for free thank you thank you and i how this... awful i'm giving you this unpaid labor i know I'm sorry i will do it for you i love it um but yeah i had for me i had my mum who showed me i mean my dad um, passed away when I was 11 so she then took this role of I mean she just she's a powerhouse and she showed me how you know you can build stuff as a woman I know it sounds ridiculous but it was just like this first yeah she debunked of, that whole you know, pink and blue job oh 100% houses, yeah. 100% she like you know she got really dirty in the garden she did sports she did makeup she did dressed up but she also she just showed me what it's like to what you can be as a yeah. woman it doesn't have to be all and that's pink. <laughs> your role models don't have to necessarily be within academia of course they don't you know but it is important that we also have them yeah in academia and i think another thing it's also really important to think about as well is actually just acknowledging the social barriers and that's really hard i think particularly you know men find that difficult mm -hmm. case in point when you try to talk to your male colleagues about some of the issues yesterday and it wasn't received well because you know challenging sexist assumptions and challenging and calling out that behavior it can be scary okay it can be a scary if you're a man or a woman but we really need to acknowledge it um, and i think as well it's about being aware that exclusion can be really subtle you know mm -hmm. it's not necessarily in your face obvious misogyny it can be these little comments these microaggressions yeah which really can eat away at you as well mm -hmm. um and you know what we need is more open discussion and i guess that's in a way that's supposedly what international women's day presents the opportunity to have these open discussions but really these need to expand into every day yeah. every meeting there needs to be you know the opportunity to I talk about i guess what we're things. saying is we're putting it to you we no longer have the responsibilities as women we want to put it to you guys as allies to, to help us join this i guess like fight that sounds dramatic but it feels like it, no, it is and i fight. don't want it to be a fight i want it to be this like empowering thing and you know if you see something happen call it out because that woman's dealing with the sexist comment that's they're processing for me i was processing what he was saying so i kind of froze and i kind of did a awkward laugh yeah and at that point how amazing if a male colleague had stepped in and been like Actually, Actually, I thought that was really interesting, or I would like to hear yeah, your voice more. Yeah, or do you like? I don't know whether you meant to have said it that way, but that came across. Da 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 da. Yeah. Like that then would have made me feel so much more empowered because I would have been like, okay, yeah. I, I'm not alone in feeling weird about it, and da 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 da. -da. That's <laughs> it. So allyship is really 
so so important in the same way that you know us as white women white able-bodied cisgender women yeah you know we need to be allies to women who identify in different ways yeah. you know queer women women from ethnic minorities oh there molly i don't think be... you know this but i'm queer <laughs> well there we go i'm a fantastic ally <laughs> um you see case in point and i think you know when we're talking about allyship it's not just i guess is the point i want to express it's not just about men being allies to women although that is bloody critical so come on guys step up um i think now we're gonna have a little chat because we wanted to sort of share some of our experiences as well our personal Um, barriers yeah Yeah, so um, what sort of things do you feel like you know purely in an educational sense i guess hmm. what are some of the things you've experienced so um for me and my department um actually it's good for me to give a little context so for me it was about society standards on body image and I have struggled with this my whole life I did gymnastics I was weighed every week from the age of like six which so I just think is, is absolutely crazy shocking. I yeah. can't believe that shit I had to have on. a food diary Fuck. yeah and they checked my lunches anyway so that's obviously fed into a bit of this as well but let me explain a figure that sort of helps explain this we know that girls are five when they start to worry about the size and shape of their bodies and one-fourth of seven-year-olds start to diet in order to lose weight. And that goes up by 80% by the time they reach 10. Which breaks my heart. I have a niece who's seven, and the thought of her even sparing a moment thought about her body rather than just rocking to Avril Lavigne, which, by the way, I've made her love, which I love. Oh, amazing. You know, that really does break my absolute heart. Yeah, it's hard to hear. It is hard to hear. And in the biomechanics setting, which is my department, we require um, you know participants, students and staff to wear awkward clothing to put you know, show a lot of skin to put these, what we call the markers, to make sure we have good data collection. Um, you know, we have to make sure people get comfortable touching one another. Um, and I just ended up not showing up to university practicals because of this, like, lag culture and this awkward clothing. I experienced exclusion, naturally, because the guys felt awkward and there was no sort of nice environment that, you know, was like, it's, you know, it's all consensual, it's all fine, like, this is the way it happens. They naturally felt awkward with me and my presence in the room. Yeah, which in a way is understandable. You know, you're all 19 years old, your hormones are bloody raging, and you, what yeah. was it, one of five girls out of 300 boys in the class? Oh, like, literally, yeah. I think there was, like, five girls in, like, a 300, yeah, Unbelievable. Course. Yeah, so it's it, it, it must have been such a frightening and hostile environment. Yeah. to walk into so yeah. fair and play. I got constant comments of like oh Emily's here she can clean up oh why are you out the kitchen like it was a constant battle so so yeah and it was because of this barrier like I didn't really feel comfortable going but then I met a really inspiring actually three lecturers that I'm going to name out Gabriella Penton Sarah Churchill and Tom Maiden Wilkinson see the importance of allies mm-hmm. they almost like I came to them and I was like, I don't feel comfortable, I don't feel confident, I don't feel confident in my abilities. And they obviously changed that. And they were like, you've got this, don't think like that, you can do this. And that was so powerful. Um, so yeah, that's that's my experience. And um, yeah, thank maybe you have something sh- similar or not so similar. Yeah, again, you know, use the Instagram, write in. And um, Emily's got lots of, we don't have time to talk about them today, but Emily's got lots of really interesting and just practical tips about how to make these sorts of environments more inclusive so yeah yeah just make sure like you just i guess ask people you can ask people they're comfortable make sure like people can choose whether they want to be in no clothing or not like there's options there are options you can do to make it more inclusive but yeah yeah like let me know i've got loads of tips tricks to help me as a student or like help students in the future um and we've actually had we do forums so we 
with students to capture students' voices. So we actually have like from the horse's mouth, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Your your experience. Yeah, a bit different, I suppose, because we come from very different um, educational backgrounds. Um, in terms of, I'm sure we had our school lives were probably quite similar, but I didn't have um, a sport that I did. I think I unfortunately leaked from the pipeline <laughs> when the pipeline first began. Um, because I was too intimidated to even do PE. I just Aww. used to, me and my mates used to just like hide in the toilets. You know, we were those sorts of kids. Um, I think for me, it was much more around um, the sort of academic aspect in terms of just being unsure, unsure of who I was. I didn't really have that female role model um, in the sense of at school because my mum, like your mum, is an absolute powerhouse. Mm. But I don't ever remember... Mums usually are, aren't they? bloody are. I don't remember there being anyone at school that made me feel comfortable with who I was in that sense because unlike my sisters who really knew what they wanted to do from a young age, you know, one of them wanted to be an actress, one of them wanted to be an artist, you wanted to be an athlete. I Mm. didn't have that. Wanted to run away to the circus. (laughs) You wanted to be in the circus. I knew that I was sort of book smart, I suppose. I was quite aware of that from a young age, but I didn't know what to do with it. And then I actually remember my first uh, memory of academic feedback was when I was in year four. So I think that's why I was probably about seven eight something like that I'm not sure and we had this male supply teacher and in my report he wrote that I was overly opinionated and I remember going home to my mum and being like mum isn't this great because it was like a long word and it sounded really fancy and it had the word opinion in it so I was like oh that's good he thinks I've got opinions how great is that yeah but then yeah (laughs) yeah but then I remember my mum being sort of quite annoyed and like Mm. went into the school and was like you know how dare you tell my seven-year-old daughter that she's too opinionated and I just remember at that point feeling I was like oh shit I I remember a feeling of humiliation like (sighs) oh my gosh I've I've done something wrong at what age I was maybe seven or eight are you kidding me like this is yeah oh my god he had such power like in that moment of like one word just destroyed your confidence to say to a kid as well like I was just testing my boundaries of my mind and things like that you know um and then as I got older I remember in sixth form it's actually really um disappointing to say but our two heads of sixth form were both women and I found both of them really um not what's the opposite of empowering (laughs) the opposite whatever that is that's how they made me feel and disheartened yeah by that point defeated for sure by that point I decided that I wanted to go into law which I know is extremely hard to believe looking at me now probably order in the court (laughs) my uh, wild 20s would not have allowed me to be a lawyer I don't think but um, I remember specifically one of them basically saying to me lower your expectations Molly you won't make it and I found that hard to stomach because I was expected to get like a star a shocking because I've been told this literally yesterday to lower my expectations unbelievable and I just remember it making me feel so disheartened to the point where I was 18 I was just about to submit my UCAS application and I deleted it I did not submit it and I for three years I did not go to university I was like I'm not going I'm gonna have a job doing this which is fine you don't have to go to university but it was something I had always wanted to do yeah well if you and consider I you yourself didn't. as like you enjoyed learning you yeah enjoyed I loved mind. reading and you know problem solving and things like that and I very nearly didn't go and it took me three years I think to rebuild that confidence That's find what I wanted to do and uh, and then I went to uni and then when I got to uni you know I obviously studied philosophy which is I guess you would consider it a classic mm. and therefore it was just white men yeah it was white men yeah. and 
our reading lists were white men, mainly dead white men. Um, you know, Fun. I just didn't relate to any of my tutors, any of the reading lists. I love the subject, but it was taught. In it very... didn't bring a new, it, not a new perspective, because this perspective's always been there. But it didn't bring the perspective that you would like to hear. No, no. Like we need to gain so many different perspectives. To, we do to form this ethical understanding of the world right well, it's, i don't know it's, anything about ethics so. but it's the reality that we live yeah. in we live in a diverse world it's just not represented i think that's um, true that must have been so hard. i would have been so sad if you didn't well I three know. years to like build up the come oh again. don't get wrong i had a bloody i think the three ad- years i was traveling around the world <laughs> yeah. having a great time i but. think the advice here is just i guess be cautious when you are giving feedback is it constructive is it not is it just like are you just being a dick? <laughs> like, I don't know. I feel like that teacher went to tell on that seven-year-old. That was just a dick move. Yeah, I can still sort of picture his face. Oh. Unfortunately, I can't do we'll my do. Liam Neeson. I will, I will because find Because I don't you. know what his name was. Yeah, but that's the whole point of Liam Neeson. He doesn't know who he is. True. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you live, but I will find you. I will find you. Well, hopefully, you know, his yeah. comeuppance will have got to him. And that really leads on to nicely, if you're a man listening to this and you work in academia and you want to help, there's lots of things you can do. Um, firstly, don't be that person to say, try and like, if you feel like you're going to say something sexist, but hold it back. Yeah, hold don't be back. Molly's year four teacher. Or my, <laughs> you know, the person who told me to shut up yesterday, basically. Yeah, I, I nearly said his name. And that yeah. was a slip up. <laughs> me too, me too. Um, and, you know, basically, yeah. we're all about embracing equity, this allyship this year, and um, we want you to speak up to challenge and call out gender biases and inequalities while seeking out and celebrating the achievements of women not just yesterday all year round please yes every day and it's like what claire said about um the collaborations i think that's really important you know yeah look at the teams that you work with are you always seeking out co-authors that are only men like can you diversify your collaborations because that is going to improve your research like lots of research has shown that women bring a different perspective which is beneficial to research exactly who are you citing in your presentations are you representing in your photos a diverse you know range of people people. Yeah. yeah and if you're an educator if you also lecture like you know what reading list are you giving to your students? Is that diverse? It's all these different things yeah, that you need to yeah. think about. The participants that you recruit, are they diverse? If they're not, is there a reason for that? You know, you really need to be thinking about this in all aspects of your mm-hmm, work. It's mm-hmm. not just how you interact with your yeah. fellow colleagues, although that obviously is an important yeah, aspect yeah. of it. And then, obviously, where are you publishing? So, yes. you know, you might not... You might want to publish in a really profound publication, but if they're not supporting diversity or inclusivity like go somewhere else i know it might hinder your career a little bit but at what cost do you want your to be successful yeah what legacy do you want to leave behind yeah, yeah. essentially and lastly i want to ask you to ask yourself these these are them i'm talking to the men i'm sorry i'm talking to the men <laughs> um i want to ask you um what is your intention what is the full picture of what we're trying to achieve it's good to ask how you contribute and how you are complicit here. I know this is hard and I know it's probably like, I'm not trying to attack you guys, <laughs> but do the deeper work, like do the work internally as well as externally. So like posting a photo yesterday is a really good thing. It, you know, role models are important, visibility is important, but please understand how society is, is set up, how academia works against certain groups and listen to the people who are impacted and learn how to think critically and do your own research. As academics, we all know how to do research, so go and do your own research. We are not here 
to teach you. Yes. Although we like to, we're not here. We're, it's not our job. We've like you heard, we've got enough we shit do to enough. deal with. Yeah. Um, and it's a long journey, and we're overdue a change. But with more discussions like this one, hopefully we will start seeing um, a change from the roots up. And from the leaves down, I guess, from the high paid positions. And I guess, like, just to add to that very briefly as well, is in the same way you were calling to all men there, I think it's important to recognise that as white women, we need to be doing the same and asking, you know, how are we complicit Mm -hmm. in the sort of underrepresentation and the marginalisation of women of colour. Well, because we can't have feminism, we have intersectional... Intersectional feminism, Thank you, because it's so important. Throughout history, white women have been complicit. Yeah, oh yeah. In the oppression of... Like, the suffragettes, we're not going to get too much into this No, we're not, but I just think, you know, everything Emily just said, if you're a white woman, um, I think, ask yourself those questions as well. Because we can all make positive changes. Um, And let's see, maybe this time next year, um, we'll do this episode again, and maybe we'll have something else to yeah. say maybe things will have changed next year this is the only thing I'm doing and otherwise if anyone asks me to do any presentations I'm taking a day off and that's going to be my enjoyment or of International Women's Day charge them ah oh. there you go pay your face sorted <laughs> this has been Stupid Genius guys happy International Women's happy Day happy International Women's and Day and <laughs> give us a five star rating on our Spotify yeah. please nothing really... less otherwise we will Liam Neeson you <laughs> it really really helps us if you give us that five star rating so yeah. please pop on there and yeah come it's, and follow us on our Instagram we love talking to you guys we love, we love doing this so keep, uh, keep listening, listening. <laughs> bye, bye.